most Bitcoin artists that I've come to know, it really does come from an intention of genuine passion for Bitcoin. And it's pure. They love Bitcoin so much, they want to do whatever they can to further its adoption. And creating art is the way they know to do it. This is the Bitcoin Muse, and I'm Clay Enos. This week, Chris Tremont, co-founder of Scarce City, a marketplace to sell Bitcoin-inspired art through auctions or directly by using Bitcoin. He believes that Bitcoin's finest goods should be sold according to the network's properties of pseudonymous, borderless, permissionless, trust-minimized, and verifiable authenticity and supply. We wander across numerous topics, some triggering, but mostly optimistic around the role technology and artistic intention might play in forging our Bitcoin world. This conversation has been a long time coming, as his name came up a few times in my previously recorded rips. He spends his days working on behalf of the very creative people for whom I have made the focus of the Bitcoin muse, and I'm genuinely thankful for his efforts. Scarce City, too, has become a magnet for artists inspired by Bitcoin, and I consider it both a resource and a temptress for my precious sats. Be sure to check it out at scarce.city. Please share this podcast, even if you just repost me on Twitter, Nostra, or Vero. Any additional reach helps. And if you listen on a podcasting 2.0 app like Fountain or Breeze, you should know that 10% of all those streams and boosts split to help OpenSats fund Bitcoin and other free and open source projects. And now, my conversation with Scarce City's Chris Tremont. How do you describe what you do to folks, maybe non-Bitcoiners and Bitcoiners alike? Yeah, it's funny because this comes up every couple of days or, or so and someone asks what you do. And, uh, you know, depending on the rapport I have with them already, my answer differs a little bit. Usually starts off with a an online marketplace. If I feel like they're ready for the next phase of that, I say it's it's a marketplace that sells art and collectibles for Bitcoin. And uh <laughs> For like 90 percent of normies, the reaction is is pretty similar. It's like, oh, that's that's interesting. I've heard of Bitcoin. Uh, it's actually I, I was talking to a guy yesterday. He was like, I've heard of Bitcoin. It kind of seems fake to me. It's just guys on Twitter who are really loud about it, and that's like kind of where the the conversation ends. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> I want to be there if they want to ask more questions, but I try not to like drill it into them at that point because they're clearly not ready for the deeper conversation. So you're kind of constantly in orange pill mode or at least the potential orange pill mode. I want to be potentially in orange pill mode, but I don't want to force the orange pill mode. It just doesn't work. I wish it did. You know, I've tried that in the past where it's like, when you first get orange filled yourself, you just want to tell everybody, right? And you want to tell them like the, the whole thing and their eyes just glaze over and you totally lose them. It's such a hard thing to do. And I, I've come to realize you have to come with a certain foundation, foundational knowledge, foundational experience to be ready for it. And I look back on myself, after you are orange filled yourself, you look back on the conversations when people tried to tell you about it. And in my case, I was just totally dismissive. And now that I look back on it, there were a couple of things that could have been said to me that 
maybe would have registered. Like the in the early days, the early times it was pitched to me, it was always pitched as like as internet money. And I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, how is this going to be adapted at scale? But if the store of value pitch would have been delivered to me in an early phase, I feel like I would have gotten it before. But even for that, you have to have you have to be grounded in some knowledge of like economics and recognize that there's a problem with our money system. And on top of that, it really helps if you have a foundational understanding of just how technology works and how it's okay that, you know, it's hard to use today or that it's not being used at wide scale today because technology improves over time. As long as you have enough attention around it, that's dedicated to improving it, as Bitcoin clearly does, it's just going to get easier over time. And we're going to find new ways to use it that we never imagined possible in the early days. Like you have to see that cycle play out and really study it throughout technology a couple of times to fully appreciate that the current stage of Bitcoin development like makes total sense and is you know a reason for optimism. So those are like two pillars, like people, if they don't have those two pillars, like I feel like there's no chance. And it also helps a lot if they're coming from a situation where themselves or someone they're really close to has been directly impacted by really bad economies that have suffered from hyperinflation or whatever. Um, but without those things, which is, you know, in the most cases of like average normie in the US, like they don't have any of that you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance of orange filling them, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I remember making my first webpage in 1992 and putting a bevel around a photograph. And, and to imagine the world we have today was inconceivable. Yeah. I was just delighted with a bevel. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I always think back to like the AOL days. That's when like I first got really into the internet was AOL and it was the dial up modem and it was the crazy noises. And it was the scammy chat rooms, you know, where like there was like the pyramid schemes. You get people to sign up for God knows what and you get $10 and then you get $2 for every sign up they do. It was just a cesspool. But it's like that was how it started. That's the early beginnings. You know, that's what we build on top of. Yeah, it's true. And it's not to say those scams aren't still out there in shitcoin world but at least we've got our little island well that's the thing but that's the thing it's like the schemes are out there and that's okay because that's the natural evolution of the space it's amazing the role criminality plays in technological advancement yeah <laughs> anyway when now coming into a more friendly fold how do you describe what you do to bitcoiners or people who are savvy maybe even maximalists because that's kind of my audience. That's what we are potentially, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the pitch starts off similar to start. It's we're a marketplace for Bitcoin art and collectibles. Now, what really makes us unique is that all of the technology and the platform we've created is as authentic to Bitcoin as, as we can create it to be. So our first real form sale format, it's, it's an auction that uses Bitcoin as collateral. So the way this works is if you want to bid in an auction, you just input how much you want to bid and an email address so we can communicate with you. But then you are directed to pay an invoice, which is a small percentage of your actual bid, actually about 1% in most cases. 
And that's what keeps you accountable for actually paying your auction bid if you win the auction. And what this enables is we have this like, it's kind of like the insurance model where like risk aversion is a huge thing. Like people don't want to lose money. If they have Bitcoin and appreciate Bitcoin, they really don't want to lose their Bitcoin. So just a small amount of Bitcoin is enough to keep them accountable for actually, you know, delivering on their implicit promise of paying this auction bid. But we don't need, we need like no more information from them on top of that. So it makes for like a super easy process as long as you have bitcoin and know how to transact it which is especially easy if you have a lightning wallet and you're just scanning a qr code and basically for zero fees you are making a transaction and it also means we can be sensitive to people's privacy preferences we don't need you don't have to create an account so of course if you do you get other benefits or whatever but we just need an email address that's it there's no reputation systems because Bitcoin is the, kind of the ultimate accountability. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of differences here versus the eBay model. I don't have a lot of experiences with auctions. I'm sort of, I don't know, I just like to hold things and, and touch things before purchasing. But this reputation model that seemed to be the foundation of eBay, because everyone was skeptical, is now just put aside for putting Bitcoin up. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. And if you just walk through the entire eBay signup flow, right? Like you're creating accounts, you're giving up a bunch of personal information. If you're a seller, you're like linking a bank account in some sort of capacity. All of that, not only is it kind of infringing on privacy in some ways, it's also just a pain in the ass. But a little bit of my soul is like sucked away anytime I have to create an account on the internet, even though, you know, you have to do it several times a day, it feels like. You just don't want to do it. There's huge friction there. It also just doesn't work. Anyone who has a motivation can game a reputation system. It doesn't work. So, you know, we're, we're using the core functionality of Bitcoin to eliminate all of that garbage and get just as good, or in some cases, better accountability just from using Bitcoin as collateral. So establishing there was a, probably a lot of coding to build this from scratch and you and your team made that happen. Were there any walls that you hit in that process or was it a pretty, Bitcoin's tricky, but just in general, building the interfaces, building a marketplace, was it the motivation, if I build it, they will come? Well, I, uh, I'm blessed to have a really talented uh, technical co-founder, uh, Arian Jabari and uh, I mean, he's the kind of guy where it's like, I come with a rough idea and he not only makes it real, but makes the idea much better than whatever I initially came up with. Right. So that's, that's really where the credit uh, is deserved there. Of course, we're always hitting technical roadblocks, user experience roadblocks, and we're always iterating, refining the platform. And look, we have many challenges ahead of us. It's far from a complete product. We got a long way to go. But we're building off of a lot of the infrastructure that had that has been created. I feel like when we came along, it was just the right time for our type of platform and just generally like the application layer for Bitcoin because certain infrastructure had already been created. 
specifically, like we are hugely dependent on BTC pay server. We use BTC pay server for all of our invoicing. And it's kind of like the core backbone of our technology. And without it, I don't know if we'd be able to do what we do. So yeah, absolutely huge challenges. It's part of we're kind of being on the frontier of new technology and it makes like the timing of what you're doing so critical. But it also just kind of goes to show like how this ecosystem compounds on itself with each new technology that enables new things. And just as like BTC pay server enabled possibilities for us, hopefully like some of the things we're doing enable new possibilities for other people in the ecosystem. So you build this ecosystem and it's not necessarily entirely, you're not only selling art, theoretically anything Bitcoin inspired can be put up for auction. Are you going out now and seeking artists and creators or are they finding it? What was the process? I mean, you sort of emerge on the scene and I'm having my own adventures trying to find and talk to various Bitcoin inspired artists. And I've credited your kind of centralizing force, not in a bad way, <laughs> to find some of these creators because they're, they're reaching the world through you. Ever since we launched and to this day, there's been a huge need from the artist's perspective for a way to get your art out there and a way to get it into the hands of collectors. So an ambitious artist who's facing that challenge, they tend to find us. It's not like everybody knows who we are, but we're not too hard to find if you're looking for us. Right? We're intentionally loud. Like that's kind of the goal. We, we don't do a lot of reaching out. Artists tend to find us. And look, there is some more reaching out we could do, but we're a skeleton team here in the bear market. It's like outbound business development is just not something that we can prioritize. Now, a lot of this did start with a core group of creators in the Bitcoin space that we were fortunate to have help us in the very early stages. Chief Monkey was actually the first artist who auctioned an artwork with us. He also came up with the core principle of under collateralizing auction bids. And he also helped form our initial creator group, which was the group of Bitcoin artists that were out there. And, you know, they were just creating art for the sake of creating art and sometimes doing some sales on like Bitcoin talk or through, you know, private channels. Uh, and we're really just looking for a solution here. This was back in 2020. And if you were around then, you may have noticed this is when like the Ethereum NFT marketplaces were popping up and people in that space, they had a way to sell their work, but there was not something that was dedicated to Bitcoin. So this group of artists, like they were looking for a solution and they were extremely helpful to us and kind of guiding us on the path of like solving their problems and also being the early testers as sellers with us and helping us attract an initial audience of potential bidders and collectors and just the community at large. So, you know, that's where a lot of credit is due. And since then, it's somewhat been a flywheel of, you know, the more auctions we do, the more attention we bring, the easier it becomes for new creators in the Bitcoin space to find us. That's cool. And are you, the NFT thing, have you weighed in on that? Do you have an opinion? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, 
I've just totally ignored it. It seems like a scam. Most of the authorities or people I respect have dismissed it. But I know there's, a, there's an adjacency to what you're doing. Do you have any thoughts, opinions, concerns? Yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I think 90 plus percent of what's in the NFT space is a scam. You know, scam may be too far. There's certainly outright scams. Uh, but like 90 plus percent are basically worthless. I think what's most important to recognize here is just the core technology. I think the core technology, I think there's absolutely something real there. Now, the first analog I would point to is just look at the certificate of authenticity that we use for physical artworks today. If you have a physical artwork, how do you know it's legit? How do you know it's created by whoever you think created it. How do you know that it's an original one of one? How do you know that? You know, you're literally going off of a signature. <laughs> you're going off of a piece of paper with handwritten words and a handwritten signature. Okay, that's what you're going off of today in the traditional world. That's the existing system. That's the best we've come up with up to this point. <laughs> so I think it's pretty clear that we can improve on that with technology. You know, and this is extremely important with art, like art, the part of art is the provenance. Like, where did it come from? Who owns it now? Who were the previous owners before, you know, it's in the current hands. And when you put a, a token on a blockchain, and I'm just using general words here, I know they're, they're huge triggers, but <laughs> I'm just trying to speak in simple terms here. What you're literally doing is you are associating some kind of media with a cryptographic public-private key that shows the key that created it, the key that owns it today. While that also is exposed to many types of issues, like you can't guarantee that that artwork hasn't been created previously and there's, of course, other issues with that. It's a huge, huge improvement over the existing system of a handwritten certificate of authenticity. So I'd start with that. Like just looking at NFT technology as a potential improvement to certificates of authenticity, even for physical artworks, absolutely legitimate. Not saying it's perfect, but huge improvement over the alternatives. Yeah, I guess the digital receipt is what you hear about, right? So Saifedean throws it under the bus as just a digital receipt. But that receipt may have huge value when attached to a physical artwork. Absolutely. Next up is looking at purely digital artworks and tokenizing them as NFTs. We live in a digital world, increasingly digital every day. To me, it just makes sense that digital artwork is going to become more and more important in a digital world. And I don't think if you're just talking about digital art in general, forget the token, I don't think you can refute the, um, the like the legitimacy of some of these digital artworks. They require just as much, if not more talent, creativity than anything in the physical world. And because again, you know, we're talking about technology here, we're talking, you know, in the digital space, like those capabilities are always changing, evolving, increasing, improving. So like as technology improves, the canvas and the digital world expands. 
there's more and more things we can do with new tools that are discovered. Looking out 10, 20 years from now, we can only imagine the types of digital artworks that are going to be possible to create. So digital artwork to me is absolutely legitimate. Now, the huge problem with this is because it's digital, you copy paste it, right? So provenance, while provenance is a challenge in the physical world, as we just talked about, it's an even greater problem in the digital world, right? Like who created this, who owns it? So this is what tokens, NFTs aim to solve, right? It's attaching a creator to a digital artwork and making the ownership of that digital artwork transferable through cryptography and a distributed ledger. Uh, so to me, like just looking at that, I think there's absolutely a legitimate use for that. And, you know, it does require, there's like a, a level of abstraction here. Like we all have to agree that these bits on the token represent the actual digital media here, but there's abstraction in any type of artwork. Like there's abstraction in everything we do. There's abstraction in Bitcoin. We're all agreeing that these, these numbers on the distributed Bitcoin ledger represent value. There's abstraction in an oil on canvas that this oil painting is actual art. There's abstraction in trading cards. Like it's a piece of cardboard with a baseball player's face on it. And we agree that there's value to that. You can't get too hung up on that. What what matters here is that there's enough social consensus of people that agree to that abstraction and say that this does have value and legitimacy. And it, it seems to me that we may already have reached that consensus. If not, there's certainly potential to achieve more of it. Just again, like taking the emotions aside, just looking at like from a rational perspective of what NFTs are as a technology for both the use cases of a certificate of authenticity for physical works or for representing provenance in digital artworks, I think there's a real legitimacy there. Now, we get triggered because there's the difference between an NFT and a shitcoin is like really blurry and often feels like the same things and often is the same thing, actually, which is kind of interesting, interesting way to look at it. Like, some shit coins are art and that's just what they are, right? And if you look at it from that lens, it's, you don't get as angry about it. It's just like, now the, the core difference in many cases is shit coins promise utility, right? They're saying, we're going to do all these special things with this token. Most art doesn't do that. It's just, it's like, this is the art, take it or leave it. You may, as a potential collector, may ascribe some type of future value to that artwork because you believe in that artist or you believe what they're doing is going to be a part of future of art. Uh, but that's all coming from you internally. That's not really promised by the artist. If it was, I don't think anyone would give much credence to that. So if you look at just any shit coin that just says, this is the shit coin, which is actually like a meme coin, like any meme coin, a meme coin is art. And if you just look at it like that, like, okay, it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to participate in it. Now, there's still risk if it's on like a protocol that is not decentralized and can break or whatever. You're dealing with that risk, absolutely. But if you just look at it as art, then we're kind of looking at the same things here. And this is some of the early 
this just gets down another rabbit hole, but like some of the early NFTs on um, rare Pepe's, which were created in 2016, like the third card in the in the series is actually called the shitcoin card. This is a shitcoin and it's art. They don't claim it to be art, but many people take it to be art. Yeah, well, yeah, the Pepe rabbit hole seems endless and so aesthetically strange to me that I'm, I can't quite get my head around it. And that's just my own bias. But going into this then, sort of, if we sort of higher level, we should allow this NFT adventure to play out. It feels somewhat problematic that the artists are being taken advantage of because I'm my allegiance is to them before most folks. But it also sounds to me like we should take a beat, be wary of the scams, but allow for sort of artistic exploration. Is that a reasonable perspective? Yeah, I mean, I would look at it just like any technology. As we kind of started off talking about, any technology can be used for good or bad, can be used for a wide array of things. And you shouldn't expect that anything that's created with it is good or potentially valuable. But there's absolutely use cases for it where it does create incremental value. And like any technology, it will continue to be approved upon. There will be more infrastructure built around it. There will be alternatives where it can be used in a more kind of secure way. And we'll find new ways to use it that we can't imagine today. Yeah. So I think if you just look at it from that lens, be extremely skeptical about everything you see on that tech that's built on that technology. But that doesn't take away from its potential validity long-term. Yeah, and I think because we live in a fiat culture, this sort of pump and dump world that seems to hop around year to year can distract us from potential underlying technological advance. And solving provenance sounds like a really nice one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the pump and dumps, it gets, like, there was pump and dumps again in the AOL chat rooms. It doesn't take away from like, there's, you know, there's scams in email, right? Like, you know, all of these technologies can be used for scammy ways. That doesn't mean the tech, I mean, Bitcoin is used in a lot of scammy ways. It does not take away from the potential core technology. Maybe we should start thinking of all these Nigerian princes as just performance art. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it is like, you know, the most important thing is don't waste your energy getting angry about it. And if you look at it as art, again, you don't have to participate in it. Not recommended in most cases, but at least you're not getting angry about it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And, you know, I was at a Mexican distillate tasting the other day, and the guy who was leading it was very careful to distinguish what you like from quality, right? Because you can like some crappy tequila, but it won't be good quality. And so quality was a much more objective thing to measure. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think Bitcoiners bring a certain, I don't know, they're seeking quality, right? So they want something with a low time preference, or they want something that evokes beauty, undeniable beauty. And I think that shift and that return to those things uh, will be okay. People can like all kinds of nonsense. Yeah. But if Bitcoin culture is shifting us towards quality, then I think we'll be okay. And if that quality starts to emerge and find a marketplace on your site, that would be an ideal, I guess. Yeah. But like when we're talking about art specifically, what is quality? Yeah. I guess I think that there's something that's, you know, I have my preferences, which I guess is like, but quality would be something that's going to last. 
mm-hmm. to me. It's going to be the intention of the artist was very clear. Whether it was successful or not, it jumps to the other realm. But yes. I think that's what where quality emerges from, the intention of the artist. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there are objective factors, right? Like it's like the amount of time, effort that went into it, the technique that was used, the craftsmanship, those are legitimate objective variables, but that's, you know, whatever your tastes in art are, whatever you deem to be great art, in most cases, that's a very small percentage of the actual perceived value that comes from the artwork. So much of it is kind of softer. It's it's the intention, absolutely. It's the story, I think, and it's the emotional response that it invokes and the viewer, those things are hard to measure. You get very subjective once you get into those variables. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the fun of art. It seems to be a human trait to express ourselves through abstraction and creativity, and that can find a lot of forms, whether it's decorating the handle of a dagger or creating masterworks that centuries later are deemed such, that are purely aesthetic. I don't know, I think... um, These are perennial questions. We're not necessarily qualified to answer, but you've got this website now where artists are going to be attracted to it, almost like a virtual Florence. If we were to overlay um, Stacey Herbert's notion of Renaissance 2.0, that Florence will now be at scarce.city. We can only hope. Yeah, well, that's a that's a full claim, but sure, I'll run. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> take it. Run. Run with this. Just <laughs> let's say this becomes a magnet for artists deeply committed to the objective beauty, intention, story, meaning of their art. Yeah, I think uh, where this takes my mind is like what really makes let's just use the term Bitcoin art, what really makes it special. And I think it goes back to what you said, Clay, is the intention of the artist. Bitcoin does something to people. That orange pill moment, it does something to people where once they have, once they get that orange pill, they want to dedicate all of their energy to Bitcoin, to understanding it further, to furthering its progress. And I've said this many times, we all have our different skill sets and resources where we can direct this energy to further Bitcoin. And, you know, for you, that's a podcast, for example, or different types of media. For developers, there's very clear ways where they can put together code that creates new applications for Bitcoin. For artists, or just, you know, artists is a weird term to use, but like for purely like creative people who create visual creations, that's art. You know, in many cases, that's just, that's what they know to do. That's what they're best at. And they have this like built up passion for Bitcoin and creating art is the natural channel for directing that passion. So the intention for much of Bitcoin art, and it's not all of it, you know, there are certainly artists out there who just see, see the potential way to make money and that's their motivation. But for many, and I'd say most, most Bitcoin artists that I've come to know, it really does come from an intention of genuine passion for Bitcoin. And it's pure. They love Bitcoin so much. They want to do whatever they can to further its adoption 
and creating art is the way they know to do it. Yeah, I think I would agree. And I often say, but I, I'm, I'm open to critique that art is the tip of the spear for this Bitcoin revolution. Is that hyperbole, you think? Or do you think there's some legitimacy to that? Yeah, I think there's definitely legitimacy to it in a couple of different ways. First, just like in a practical way, Bitcoin commerce. Let's just talk about Bitcoin commerce. Art is one of the biggest categories for Bitcoin commerce today. Like we all talk about Bitcoin as a potential medium of exchange. The reality is it, it doesn't happen for many categories of commerce. And for Bitcoin art, it's it's kind of been native to Bitcoin commerce. Like way before we came around, art was created and sold P2P or through um, Bitcoin talk, you know, the same forms where Satoshi would communicate, art was created and, and sold there for Bitcoin, right? So it's like one of the first actual use cases for buying and selling any type of good or service for Bitcoin. So from that perspective, it's absolutely tip of the spear. I think we'll also look back on this time. Yeah, the future's uncertain. No one really knows, but we're all here because we believe that Bitcoin's going to become more important and prominent over time. And in a, I hate to use the term, but post hyper Bitcoinization world, you know, we'll look back on the artwork that was created today when most normal people are completely doubting Bitcoin. And, and we'll look back on the artists that were still dedicating all of their creative energy to Bitcoin art. And I think that'll be looked on as very special. Yeah, that's cool. And even though the aesthetic sometimes seems rather rudimentary, I think that's partly because it's the same way the Venus of Wellendorf becomes David centuries later. We improve our understanding, our skill sets, we mature yeah. with this technology or with our cultural understanding of the world. That today's art, maybe with Bitcoin bees, <laughs> yeah. may be too prominent. It's we creative folks trying to figure it out. Yeah. We can only do it rather bluntly. Yeah, look, it's it's it's, it's interesting because I feel like I'm especially back to the same parallels we we've made already, but like just like technology, art kind of compounds and evolves. So yeah, of course, the first Bitcoin artwork was maybe just a simple beat, but then over time, other artists look at that and they're like, okay, what can I, what can I do with that? Like, we're all learning from each other here, right? So maybe they, they're more creative about how they can represent the Bitcoin B. Then there's another layer or another level of evolution where it's like, what other types of visual representations represent Bitcoin without showing the Bitcoin B? We're still, I think, in kind of early phases of that. Absolutely nothing wrong with artwork with the Bitcoin B. I kind of look at it as like, well, I guess you could say early Renaissance, pre-Renaissance artworks where they featured Jesus Christ. They featured a cross, right? That was the like explicit symbol that was prominent in all artworks. And that evolved, that evolved over time. And I, I, I kind of see like the Bitcoin B is like, you know, let's be honest here. Bitcoin is a, it's a religion in many ways. The Bitcoin B is kind of like the cross. And a lot of people want it. A lot of people want a cross. They want all types of crosses in their homes, of course, in their churches or their institutions or wherever. 
but other people, they wanted like a different, another layer, layer of abstraction from that, or just something completely different, even though it may represent the same type of values. I think we're going to see that a similar type of evolution there with Bitcoin art, where we start with the Bitcoin B, but ultimately the question to me is like, what does this represent? It's about money, but it's not really about the money. We're not making art about money. To me, it's about the core values of Bitcoin and at the deepest level, it's freedom, it's transparency, it's honesty. I'm guessing like the evolution of Bitcoin art will trend in that direction. It's about representing these core values through visual representations. That's well said. Yeah, and even cathedrals that we share that metaphor of that Bitcoin is a kind of cathedral, almost to all of the ones we know and celebrate are designed around a cross with the apps and the transept. Even though we can look at the flourishes of their ceilings, paintings, or the sculptural contents, it's still all a giant cross, right? They couldn't get away from their symbol. There's always going to be a place for the Bitcoin B. No matter where the evolution goes, like... You know, and whatever our version of, is of the uh, of the Bitcoin cathedral, there will be the, the Bitcoin B. Yeah. And to think about this stuff beyond money, I think, is really important. That we've essentially solved the money problem in Bitcoin, and now we can address the bigger societal cultural advance that awaits with perfect money. That does seem to me as an artist, that's an unbelievably inspiring kind of liberation for humanity. And my God, to celebrate it would be a joy. Yeah, I think that's really where, I think this is where it gets really interesting from an artistic perspective. And I think once we get deeper into that, I think that's where, that's where we went. When the new contemporary art features the themes and values that Bitcoin represents, that's where, you know, we've won. Terrific. I read a, a newsletter a couple episodes back, and this guy was speculating that contemporary art or some of the highest quality technicians and craftsmen and creative folks are making movies today, that it's in cinema and television and video games. And I think that's a reasonable argument. And so it'd be really fun before we were recording, we were chatting about a cool heist kidnapping type thing that where, where Bitcoin starts to infuse itself into cinema with perfect rendering and understanding of the tech would be really cool, right? A, a kind of you've got mail cinematic experience for Bitcoin uh, is in front of us. Yeah, I completely agree with this. And I don't know how directly related it is to art in the, you know, the, the narrowest term, but there's just so much potential for media and Bitcoin. It feels like we are like one movie, one show, one video game away from just reaching a whole nother level of the masses. People respond to the media. We are like all products of the media we consume in many ways. And there is among normies today with all of the problems in society, like everybody recognizes it. Everybody feels it now. Whereas us kind of earlier Bitcoiners, we were feeling it a long time ago and that helped primed us for Bitcoin. A lot more people are primed now because they just see the brokenness of society. And it, it does feel like the right, the right movie that is, you know, it's not a documentary. Like it's maybe it is, it could be a documentary, who knows, but it just, it hits that nerve 
and makes the connection to Bitcoin in a way that someone who doesn't have the economics background, who doesn't have the technology background, in a way that they can see it and also is just great content. It's engaging. It's entertaining for anybody. I think that's going to be a breakthrough. It feels like we're super ready. We're just it's probably being worked on right now. Yeah, maybe that's why they put the writers, the writers went on strike. It's all a grand conspiracy. They're not letting the actors and the writers get to work on this project. <laughs> Could be. point <laughs> 4.0. Oh. I think a uh, yeah, new level. Yeah, I guess we'll see, of course. But it does play to this notion that creative folks are leading that charge or softening the earth, you know, tilling the soil for the future growth and understanding for the masses. That's optimistic, which I tend to lean. Despite my, most of my media being Bitcoin, Twitter, and Noster, I remain uh, happy and optimistic. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, especially in the bear market where it's just doomer opinions everywhere, this is what you can always fall back on for optimism in, in Bitcoin is we have not only the, like the smartest minds, but also just the most passionate, hardworking people that are dedicated to this cause. And they are devoting all of their different skill sets and resources to furthering this cause. And it takes time. It's a lot of experimentation, a lot of things that will fail, but all it takes is, you know, just slow and steady, small breakthroughs here and there, we build on top of that. And as long as that continues, and again, all it requires is that we have the mind share of the greatest minds out there and that they have more energy. They have the energy to give to this. All it takes is that as long as we're continuing that, everything is going in the right direction and we just have to be a little patient. What would you say if you spotted a talent out there? Do you ever consider enticing them to Bitcoin to sort of circle back to this whole orange pilling? But if you saw someone who was making beautiful artwork that was maybe on theme of the frustrations that they, they can sense it and they're making it, but they haven't quite lit up to the potential that Bitcoin presents. Yeah, I've certainly been in those, you know, seen those situations and I've, I've tried to make the connection in, in those cases. And I can think of times where it didn't work and maybe there's a time where it did work that I'm just not coming to mind. But what it does make me think of is when I, you know, I, Digging in, and you probably experienced this too, Clay, from talking with so many artists with your podcast, uh, a very common orange pilling, or at least kind of like first stage of the orange pilling experience for artists is they're just creating whatever art that they're creating and someone offers to pay them in Bitcoin. And then that's like, for most artists, they're just grateful to sell the artwork and they'll take anything. <laughs> They'll take anything for it, right? So it's like, you give me, sure, you want to give me the magic internet money? Great, uh, I'll take it. And then that makes the rabbit hole visible to them. And then they start to jump down it. So I think that's absolutely a gateway for uh, creative folks. Yeah, it's a good takeaway. Just offer to buy any art you see in Bitcoin and see what happens. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you can expand it beyond pure creative endeavors. Like anytime you see someone who's passionate about what they're doing and you want to support them, offer to pay them in Bitcoin. Are you an artist yourself? Do you make your own? Oh, uh, you know, I, I dabble in things, but I'm never the person that's going to put pen to paper 
Like, I just don't, okay. it doesn't work like that. You know, like I don't, I don't have the motor skills to be able to, uh, actually create what I have in, in my head. So I certainly had a lot of ideas that I've turned into artwork, but I need, whether it's other tools or people, actual artists to uh, turn those ideas into something that's tangible. Maybe you'll be a, you'll be a, a future Medici. I don't know what that is. <laughs> there, you'll be a patron to the arts. Oh, Medi- um, Medi- okay. I've always heard it. I've always heard it. Medici. Medici. Sorry. Italian is not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what the right um, analogy would be. Like what's the, what was the marketplace for, for Florence? At the time, from my understanding, the Medici's, they were really financing the artworks. Uh, That's certainly not me. (laughs) I think you are in a sense that you've provided the fertile ground, the platform from which artists can get their work seen, sold. And it's a right now it's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to credit you with building our Renaissance 2.0 infrastructure we're a conduit in the most glowing light. We're a conduit for the modern day Medici's who are, you know, actually bringing this Bitcoin uh, renaissance to life. Good man. Well, look, is there anything you want to add? I, I really appreciate you taking the time today. We kind of wandered all over the place, but I like it. And I think you bring a particular expertise and understanding of Bitcoin art, the Bitcoin art world and Bitcoin itself. And I appreciate you sharing those insights. Yeah, look, uh, thank you, Clay. I'm so glad to see you doing this podcast. I feel like there's such a need for it. Again, like Bitcoin is more than money, right? It's a revolution. It's a renaissance. And uh, there's so much more to this than money. Culture is a big part of it. This is how we win the hearts and minds of, of the masses before they, you know, like the people are focused on the money. They'll always say that, you know, everyone will be forced to use Bitcoin at some point. I tend to agree, but the more people we can attract before they absolutely need Bitcoin, the better off we'll all be. So I think uh, supporting the culture around this, supporting the artists who are dedicating their talents, their energy to this cause is really important. So I greatly appreciate all of the efforts you're putting and on this front, and just just grateful to be a part of it. Well, same man. I really um, you came up with a in a bunch of artist conversations, so it was a treat to meet you at Bitblock Boom and to have this conversation. So onward, onward, man. Let's do this. Awesome. <laughs> there you have it. Be sure to follow Chris and place a bid or two on the work you see at Scarce City. Links to all the sites and feeds mentioned in this episode are in the show notes. Thanks to my brother Brant for the music. Thanks to you for listening, and thanks to Chris for sharing his time, energy, and creative championing with the Bitcoin Muse. Onward.